So you have failed. What next? Here's Pastor Ed Taylor with a suggestion. When times of defeat come your way, when times of stumbling happen in your life, it's always a good thing to come back to God's word. You know, when you stumble and you fall, you lose your equilibrium. You lose your sense of direction. You're not sure which way to go. And, and if you're not careful, you may find yourself walking away from God's word instead of running to it when you stumble. This is amazing grace. This is Good to be with you today and welcome to Abounding Grace. We're back in Romans on this Friday and Pastor Ed Taylor will focus in on verses 7 through 12. We can easily fall into one of two extremes. On the one hand, thinking the Christian life is all about obeying the law, and the other would be thinking the law isn't necessary, it's all grace. But Pastor Ed will show us today that both are necessary and have a role in our lives. Here he is to explain. Well, by this time in Romans, if you're not careful, you may come to wrong conclusions. And one of the wrong conclusions that you could easily come to is that Paul is saying that you're to do away with the law, that the law isn't important, that the law is no longer needed. That's not what Paul's saying at all. You might even come to the other conclusion. There's another false conclusion you can come to, and that is it's all of grace and no law, or it's all of law and no grace. You can do one of either. You could say, well, hey, as I understand Paul, he's saying here, it's, it's all law and no grace. Or on the other side, you could say, well, it's all grace and no law, but I'd say it's both. The law is necessary. I'll draw your attention to verse 12 of chapter seven. As Paul comes to the conclusion, he says, therefore the law is holy and the commandment holy, just, and good. It's both. I asked you to open a Deuteronomy chapter four. Flip back to Deuteronomy four. Look at verse eight with me, would you? Deuteronomy 4, verse 8. It's not an either-or situation here. It's not one or the other. Paul's teaching it's, it's both. The law has its place in the life of the believer. As a believer lives by the grace of God, the law is very important. It's holy, it's just, it's good. We just don't do away with it. Look at verse 8, Deuteronomy chapter 4. It says, what great nation is there that has such statutes and righteous judgments as are in all this law, which I set before you this day. I mean, what great nation, Moses said, what great nation has such a great law and righteous statutes? In Psalm 119, verse 72, you can jot it down. It says, my tongue shall speak of your word for all your commandments are righteousness. And it's true, the law is holy, it's just, it's good. And you say, wait a minute, Pastor, now what are you saying here? Are you saying that I'm now to live as a Christian by the law? Is that where I get my righteousness? Is that where I, salvation is found, is by keeping the law? No way, neither is Paul. Paul's not saying that, and neither am I. Remember, we learned earlier in our study in Romans that the law was established by what? Our faith. Our faith in Jesus Christ established that the law was holy, just, and good, that it served the right purpose in our lives. It pointed out our need for a savior. The law of God is God's standard. 
And its very essence shows us our need for a savior. And it's in this section in Romans today, in verses 7 through 12, that we're going to look at four key things about the law. So I want you to get ready to do two things. Two, one, to get ready to turn pages today. And two, jot these notes down. There are four things I want you to learn about the law today from this section of Scripture. Under the summary that the law is wholly just and good, because it is. So let's read verses 7 through 12 together. And we'll come back to them. Verse 7, Romans 7. What shall we say then? is the law sin. Remember, he's tying us back to verse six. So let's look at verse six. But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by so that we should serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. What great truth that is. How wonderful it is to be delivered from the law and now we serve the spirit in the newness of the spirit, not the oldness of the letter. So then what shall we say, he says, is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would have not known sin except through the law, for I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said, you shall not covet, verse eight. But sin, taking opportunity by the commandment, produced in me all manner of evil desire, for apart from the law, sin was dead. I once was alive without the law, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment, which was to bring life, I found to bring death. For sin, verse 11, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it, it killed me. Therefore, the law is holy, and the commandment holy, just, and good. Number one, the law defines for us what sin is. That's one of the purposes of the law. It defines for us what sin is. The law tells us what is right and what is wrong. Paul says that he wouldn't even had known sin except for the law because God uses the law to show us what sin is. God has declared for all of mankind and all of eternity what sin is. Flip back to Joshua chapter eight, would you? Joshua chapter eight. After the children of Israel, I told you guys are gonna be turning, so flip, flip, flip. Joshua chapter eight. It's Joshua judges in that section there. Joshua chapter eight. After the children of Israel had entered the promised land just after the defeat of Ai, Joshua decides to bring them back to God's word. And by the way, just pause there just for a second and understand, when times of defeat come your way, when times of stumbling happen in your life, it's always a good thing to come back to God's word. You know, when you stumble and you fall, you lose your equilibrium. You lose your sense of direction. You're, you're not sure which way to go. And, and if you're not careful, you may find yourself walking away from God's word instead of running to it when you stumble. I was at King Super's last night. I was in kind of a hurry. And as I'm walking out of the car, I'm walking all cool with my, with my bags and I trip. Have you ever, has that ever happened to you? So I'm, a, I, I'm sure the cars waiting for my spot were just, <laughs> and so as I'm falling, you know, I have probably have to do up here. So I'm walking and I trip and I go, dun, 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 you know, I'm all right. I meant to do that. But I'll tell you what, I felt really stupid and I felt real embarrassed. All the cars are waiting for my spot and I've got my little groceries there and I'm walking through and I, it's not like I was in a hurry, but I wasn't paying attention and I slip and fumble and try to make it up. Don't you feel like that when you fall into sin? Don't you feel so dumb? 
And you're like, people are making fun of you and you feel so awkward and you're like, my life's not right and I know it's not right and, and I wish people wouldn't look at me that way and I wish, and you just feel so bad. But it's good to come back to God's word to give you clarity of what's going on in life. God doesn't view you that way. He doesn't laugh at you and mock you when you fall and stumble. He beckons you to come. He beckons you to say, come back, son. I know you've stumbled. I know you've fallen. You got a little, uh, a little scab on your knee. He'll take care of it and bring you to, your, to himself so he might encourage you. That's what Joshua does here after defeat. Pick up with me in verse 30 of Joshua chapter eight. You ever fall like that in the market? Yeah, just want to know. I'm like, oh, Ed, you're the only one. I'm like, yeah, I wasn't bad. It's like I wanted to keep walking past my car, you know, and just like, oh, I'm cool. And then they'd say, oh, you lost his car too. I don't want to do that. I was just busted, you know. Glad I didn't fall on my face. Joshua built an altar, verse 30, to the Lord God of Israel in Mount Ebal, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the children of Israel. As it is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of whose stones over which no man has wielded any iron tool. And they offered on it burnt offerings to the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings, verse 32. And there in the presence of the children of Israel, he wrote on the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he had written. And then all Israel with their elders, officers and judges stood on either side of the ark before the priests the Levites who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, the stranger as well as he who was born among them, half of them were in front of Mount Gerizim and half of them in front of Mount Ebal. And as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded before that they should bless the people of Israel. And afterward, verse 34 is key. Afterward, he read all the words of the law, the blessings and the cursings. You can jot next down, right next to that, Deuteronomy chapter 27 and 28. Because they're in Deuteronomy 27 and 28, homework for you today. You can read the blessings and the cursings of the law. I know a lot of people today focus only on the blessings, only on the blessings. If you turn to the law and you trust in the law, the law comes with cursings too. The Bible says if you have stumbled in one point of the law, you've stumbled in it all. And so Joshua is there and he says, all the words are being read. There's blessings and there are cursings according to all that was written in the book of the law, verse 35. And there was not a word of all that Moses had commanded, which Joshua did not read before all the congregation of Israel and the women and the little ones and the strangers who were living among them. It's clear for the children of Israel that obedience brought blessings and disobedience brought consequences. That's what God's law does. It defines for us what sin is. Back to Romans chapter seven. Sin, did you know, is the number one cause of death and pain and suffering and sorrow? Sin creeps into houses. It creeps into cubicles, into marriages. It creeps into lives of those who choose sin. But then who defines sin? If we leave definition of sin up to society, you never know what you're going to get from week to week. They change their mind all the time, and this is sin, and that is sin, and the, the Lord warns us to look in those last days for those that are calling evil good and good evil. So society can't define it for us. Pastors can't define sin for us. You want to go and you see what the Word of God says. See, when you're up here, the only authority here is not me standing here as a pastor. I don't have any authority It's God's word, so much so that if you're here and you go, well, wait a minute, Pastor, what you're saying isn't lining up with the scriptures. You cling to the word of God, okay, church? 
You look to God's word. You do not look to man. You don't follow man. You allow the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you. And prayerfully, as a pastor, that's where I'll lead you. Right to the word of God. Not to me. It's so important you understand that no pastor, no man, no woman defines what sin is. God's law does that for us. God tells us in his word what is sin and what isn't sin. It says in Judges chapter 17, you can jot it down in verse six. It says there were days when there was no king in Israel and everyone did that which was right in their own eyes. You know, that was a time of pain and chaos and rampant immorality and sin. And so because the world's trying to define it here and these guys have definition over there and this government and that government, this politician, this man, this woman, there's so many definitions. That's why when movies come out in our own country that uplift and glorify sexual sinful behaviors and they make millions of dollars and they win many awards, you'll have basically two camps. You'll have a camp that says, oh, what a great movie. All the critics say, great, go see it. You gotta spend your money on it best movie of sexual sin that you've ever seen in your life. And then the other camp will say, oh, no, 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 that's not good. That's not good at all. Don't go see it. Don't spend your money on it. It's going to defile you. It's going to, and you got both of these camps. So who's going to break the tie? Let me tell you who's going to break the tie. God will through his word. He'll define for us what sin is. And you know what, guys? That's why I'm thankful for God's word. I'm so thankful that God has given us a book He's given us his word once and for all delivered to the saints to define for us what sin is. So it no longer is the argument between man and man or man and woman, husband and wife. The argument when God defines sin and you don't agree with it, your argument's actually with God. He defines what sin is because he knows. And that's what the law does for us. You see, it's not just sin out there. You gotta be careful. It's not just, well, okay, okay, yeah, 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 define sin and sinners and, and they're out there. But I want you to see, turn back to Romans chapter one. We studied this verse very early on in our study in Romans and it, it does list a few sins. It's not an exhaustive list in Romans chapter one, but picking up with me in verse 28, we see a few things that are listed here. Romans chapter one, verse 28, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness. And then he starts to list all sorts of things, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, jump down to verse 30, backbiters. Did you know backbiting was a sin? To talk about people behind their back and cut them down is a sin. Haters of God. Did you know to hate God and be mad at God is a sin? Oh, violence, pride, inventors of evil things. Think about that. You know, for us as a church, we really value using tools that are available to us to reach people with the gospel. One of the greatest tools that's available to reach a mass group of people is the internet. And we're using it to the advantage of God's kingdom through Bible studies up there and live webcasts. And we've got plans to expand all sorts of things using technology. But you know, using that same technology, there are those that are inventing evil things for that same technology. And that's a sin. Just thinking about more evil and seeing how evil we can get, those are sins. I mean, okay, Pastor Ed, okay, okay. We don't need to go through the whole list. We've already gone through it. You're right. I really want you to focus on verse 32 because it's not just those that do them. 
notice, who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are worthy of death. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, stop it, sinners, you sinners, sinners. Stop it, you're worthy of death. Not only do the same things, but also approve of those who practice them. Remember, we spent a whole Sunday on that. That if you approve of sin in someone else's life, you put your stamp of approval on it, you're just as guilty. You're like, oh, the law told me that? Yes. Yes, it does. It reveals to us what sin is. It's not to just those who do them, but also to those that approve of those that do them. Sin is far-reaching, even into the depths of our hearts and our motives and our lives. And let me just add this. The Bible and Bible study becomes very unattractive and uncomfortable to those that are living in sin, to those that are dabbling in sin, to those that are clinging to sin. And that's often the first step of a person that's backsliding is they don't want to be in Bible study anymore because it's too much. I can't take it anymore. I don't want to hear God's word anymore. And one of the reasons you don't want to hear God's word anymore because it doesn't matter where we're teaching. We could be in Genesis, Leviticus. We could be in Joshua. We could be in Revelation. But those of you that live in sin and cling to sin, you only hear one thing every Bible study. It's the same thing every week. You could turn on the radio and it's the same thing. The Holy Spirit's saying, repent, son. Repent, daughter, come back. Oh, I don't want the Bible. No, you do want the Bible. And you're going to learn why in just a moment. Sin is so deceptive. No, no, you do want God's word in your life. You do want to know what's right and wrong. And you do want to know that God loves you and wants to see you come back. But see, when you're dabbling in things and you're clinging to things, there's a tendency to avoid God's loving word and view it as something that's unnecessary, to view it as something that's unneeded, And we find a lot of disagreement in our hearts with God's word when we're living in sin, when we're making excuses for our sin. And so my encouragement to you is simply receive God's word today. Receive it as it's gentle, receive it as it's soft, and also receive it in the the depths of the pain that you feel when you're convicted of sin. It's a very painful thing to be convicted in sin. It's a very painful thing. And the Holy Spirit would say, hey, listen, listen, here's my word. I'm showing you what's going on in your life. Please repent. Come back. Number two, not only does the law define for us what sin is, but number two, get this, the law reveals that we're sinners. (laughs) We don't like that. So, oh yeah, sin for them. Yes, there are sinners in the world. There are people that commit sin. But did you know that the law reveals us, that we're sinners? Back to Romans chapter 7. Paul says in verse seven, on the contrary, I would have not even known sin, right? Because sin is revealed by the law. He says, I wouldn't even known sin unless it said you shall not covet. And then verse eight, but sin taking opportunity by the commandment produced in me all manner of evil desire for apart from the law, sin was dead. It not only reveals what sin is, but the law also reveals that we are sinners. And you might be here today and you go, are you serious, pastor boy? I'm a sinner? Yes, I'm serious. Yes, we're all sinners. We all commit sin. We have sin in our lives. And it's so contrary, isn't it, to what man likes to do with sin? What does man like to do with sin? First of all, man likes to rename sin. 
I had a whole list of them. I'm not going to share them with you today, but they, they just try to change. It's, it's, it's all sorts of categories to not allow the Bible just to use the words that it uses. You know, call pride, pride. Call adultery, adultery. Call stealing, stealing. Call lying, lying. That's what the Bible does. Now, we might try to sidestep that and say, oh, no, it was this and soften the blow. But, but let the Bible speak for itself. The law reveals that we are sinners because man likes to hide his sin. Another thing we're really good at is excusing our sin. Say, even as believers, we can be very good at having an excuse for every time someone comes and says such and such in our lives. Do you know that if someone in your life comes to you and shares with you something difficult, do you know that they love you? That it's out of love. Do you know how hard it is to tell someone that there's sin in their life? It can be one of the most difficult things you can do with someone. To say, did you look at your attitude? Do you see that? that that's really not what the Lord wants. And, and being able to, that's very, very hard. So if someone has done that in obedience to the Holy Spirit, they've come to you to speak the truth in love. Do you know that the response that God is looking for is not an excuse or a justification for what you've done? So, well, no, I've got good reasons, and I'm sure you've got good reasons. Oh, no, no, you know, I had this, and you don't understand it. And we're very, very good at justifying all our behavior, and we get really good at it as we grow, and as we grow up and we are believers longer, that not only do we get good at justifying sin, but then Christians, I found, get very good at justifying sin and then baptizing all their excuses with scriptures and using this little scripture over here and that little scripture over there, when all the while the law is revealing to us, hey, listen, there's something wrong in your life. When you open up God's word, there will be times where you just look and go, you know what, that's me. That's me, that's my life. That, that's me. Thanks for studying alongside us on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. If you'd like to hear this message from Romans again, go online to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another way to listen to Ed's teachings is through our app. Search for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or Google Play. It's free, too. Each month, we try to pick out a book that we believe can be of some help to your walk with the Lord. And this month, it's A Love Letter Life by Jeremy and Audrey Roloff. Perhaps you were one of the millions that watched Jeremy and Audrey share their vows and commit their lives to one another on the show Little People, Big World. What you may not have realized is that they prepared more for their marriage than their wedding day. In this helpful book, they share their love story in all its beauty and imperfections. Their unique approach to dating empowered them to write an uncommon love story and really prepared them for married life. We'll send you a love letter life when you support Abounding Grace today with a gift of $25 or more. Share it with someone who is single and help them date intentionally, pursue creativity, and love faithfully. Give us a call at 877-30-GRACE. That number again is 877-30-GRACE. And please remember, we are listener-supported. Simply put, that means we look to our listeners to help us with the cost of being on the radio. You can donate to the ministry at AboundingGraceRadio.com or, again, call 877-30-GRACE. Pastor Ed, we're going to hit the pause button on our study in Romans in order to bring our listeners a special series called Into Faith We Go. Would you take a moment to share with our listeners what this new series is all about? 
You know, Larry, the beginning of every new year is an exciting time because like many pastors around the world, God lays upon my heart a vision, a direction, a reminder, an encouragement for us here at Calvary Church in Aurora. And the theme that we have this year is End of Faith We Go. So the first four weeks of January, we, we stepped out of our regular Bible study verse by verse, and I shared this series on the vision of what God is doing going forward. We called it End of Faith We Go. So I'm going to be sharing three of the studies, and Pastor Joshua Taylor is going to be sharing a study in there as well, where together we lay before the Fellowship family here and all of our Abounding Grace listeners around the country, around the world, what the heart is of stepping out and living in faith. It's more than just a big decision. It's really stepping out in faith and being faithful in all of our decisions. And so I invite you to tag along for the next few days. Uh, Beginning next week, we're going to be encouraged and we're going to be blessed. And I want to hear your feedback. So be sure to take that Take your phone and the little voice memo app and record some feedback. Record uh, something and send it to me at ed at edtaylor.org. And we'll listen to them. We'll pray over them. And some of them might even make, make it on the air. But you can connect with us via email. You can connect to us via our website at aboundinggraceradio.com or you can connect with me personally at edtaylor.org. So whatever it is that you want to do in communicating with us, we want to hear from you, especially as you hear this new series, Into Faith We Go, that is literally only a few weeks old. It's fresh and exactly what the Lord is doing here at Calvary Church. I look forward to hearing from you. Into Faith We Go, next time on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We hope you can join us for it. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.